Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, so our two-hour live show that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world today, what's happening in media, what's happening in news, in politics, and how you can kind of make sense of all the crazy propaganda nonsense that is happening. And of course, as always, there's a lot. There's always a mm-hmm. lot. Exactly. A lot of really so much going always going on. Interesting stories going on and stuff and things and all of that. And honestly, I feel like my voice sounds really weird and muted. So forgive me for one second. I'm gonna take a second, mute my microphone, and pull this damn uh, pop guard off because it feels like it's making me sound like I'm talking through a sock. Ew, gross. Okay, maybe that's a little bit better. Probably not, but we'll find out. Anyway, so a lot of stuff to talk about. We were not here last week because I had to travel up to Michigan. It was interesting. Uh, Michigan's back home for those of you who don't know and didn't know for a while, but uh, Michigan is back home for me. But interestingly enough, um, it's always nice. It's 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 nice to go up and kind of like see the snow. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's a, that's sure. a good way to put it. it. It's 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 cool. Well, I don't get a lot of snow here in Northern Virginia. You know, we, we get a little bit of it and then everybody freaks out and acts like we're going to die. Uh, there's like legitimately when there's any snow here, there's like a run on like the stores and everything like like it's Armageddon. And they'll like close <laughs> they'll like close school down because there's any bit of white on the ground. It's it, it's always fascinating coming from the north and seeing how people freak out over snow. And I don't even mean like the there there are sometimes legitimate ones like infrastructure is not built to handle like a you know blizzard. It's not even that. It's just like it gets cold and everyone's like we're gonna die. Um, it's always awesome. But um, there's a lot of things to talk about. We're not gonna we're not gonna really cap off a lot of what happened last week. Although there is, you know, there's obviously like some interesting things, you know, to be covered, uh, and, and some stuff we weren't really able to really dive into on the last last program. One of the big notable things to just kind of discuss is Ron DeSantis dropped out. That's true. It was a big, big part of the news. Yeah, that was a huge part of the news. It was a fascinating kind of discussion. I mean, we'd all anticipated it, right? Like we, you and I talking us on this program, yeah. talking on our discord, which you can become a member of. If you, you know, subscribe, go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio. Uh, but it was, it, it was fascinating to to see and this was last sunday um so that that's when the announcement came out or at least i believe it was last sunday and yeah ron DeSantis dropped out and it has been uh one of the things that i've been doing somewhat selfishly was monitoring all of the former influencers of the DeSantis campaign to see well what happens now because is there going to be this weird contingent of never trumpers that's going to continually basically try to hamstring any sort of success or victory uh, in the 2024 election because they would rather lose than be wrong. Probably. And yeah, and that that's a very notable thing. And, and this is something that everyone needs to understand um, when you get into, I guess um, part of it is politics, consulting politics, that kind of thing, but also just the media in general. 
being mm-hmm. wrong in the media, you know, is a bad thing. And nobody so, wants to be wrong. right, nobody wants to be wrong, especially when you sell yourself in politics as being an expert. Um, there are things that Alan and I are very good at. And, you. you know, there are things that we, you know, spend a lot of time reading, but we're never going to sit here and act like our opinion is somehow a gospel. You know, the whole idea of this show is that, you know, him and I are regular people and we're who should be being listened to, um, you know, because we are the average voter. We speak for the average voter. We talk to average voters every, you know, every day. And so that's one of the things that I would, you know, point out. But when you have other people like, say, Daily Wire or Breitbart or any of these other groups, their job is to be experts, quotey fingers. You know, they're supposed to prognosticate and be right about things. Well, there's a lot of these kinds of people to include. Well, I brought up Daily Wire because of like Ben Shapiro, but like Steve Deese, who's a radio host that was a huge DeSantis fan. Are these people going to see the victory of Donald Trump in 2024 as like a an attack against their credibility? Would that make it possibly, you know, it, does that put it in a situation where they would rather lose than be wrong? And there it goes beyond that because there's a lot of money that people will put into, especially if they have millions dollar brands to back yeah. up, you know, their entire livelihood, even though let's just be honest. I don't think it's a threat against anybody's livelihood. You know, there were people that were smart and said, I like DeSantis better than Trump. DeSantis dropped out and they go, okay, well, I'm supporting Trump then because I hate Democrats the most. You know, like it was pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty easy uh, thing to do. You know, you can like different candidates, you know, <laughs> but like not, not in this, uh, not in this current landscape. Well, mm. another issue with a lot of people is it's always good to remember that people do this for a living. Like you said, there is a lot of money to be made in political commentary, being mm-hmm. and essentially being a you know, persona. And people have a lot of money invested in the persona they've built and the sort of media companies they have. And that does not necessarily align with uh, essentially our, what, what I would say is at least my values is and there's maybe nothing wrong with that nothing necessarily, not necessarily anything wrong with making money but there are strategies to make money that people will inevitably be let's just say um tempted by that are at odds with what they say their values are or at mm-hmm. least we always have to be wary of that is because these are businesses like the daily wire for example is a money making enterprise designed to make money if there are t- takes they can have or ideas they can push that will stand to make them more money or more popular or gain viewership, that is a priority for them in a way that might be easy to forget. So, exa- for example, uh, I think there was a contingent of people that supported DeSantis because it was the contrarian opinion that made them more popular or got them more advertising. Kind of the idea of mm-hmm. any, what is it, like any... Um, oh, I just blanked out. What's the what's the phrase? It's like any publicity is good publicity. Right, right. For right. example, there's a lot. There is that's a that's a real thing. So when I see 
including things like, for example, I mean, the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro is a great example because we necessarily we disagree about a certain number of things. And sometimes I wonder, do you have this opinion because it is what is best for the future of the country? Or do you have this opinion because it was it is what is going to draw the most viewership, draw the most uh, advertising, mm-hmm. or do the best for your business rather than is this the best opinion to have in these events for the future of America? Right. Well, and uh, it's interesting. Sorry, I just got I just got a chat where people say that the uh, the music that we have playing for our like kind of it's like our hold music when you come into Rumble before we actually start the show. There's music that plays, you know, because it seems like it'd be nice. But apparently it's still playing (laughs) and I can't I can't do anything about that. (laughs) Like I literally I I can't. (laughs) It's just part of the template. So I guess I guess we're just not going to have that. We just won't have um, that music. That's ridiculous. Sorry. I just uh, I need to mention that for those who are listening. Hopefully it's not too intrusive, but that's annoying as hell. So I guess we're I guess we just don't get to have nice things. Apparently not. So there's no longer going to be any music that sits in the background there. I'll redo the template. That makes me annoyed because I thought it was cool. We had like this kind of neat, you know, EDR music that yeah. would play jerks ah anyway <laughs> fine um well and and what's what's interesting about it was we're now also seeing like kind of a weird marketing push and uh so secretly i brought this up because there was something else i wanted to talk about and there are going to be uh situations where some of these people are going to have to try to save face now i don't know whether or not this is exactly what was happening here but it does seem really suspicious that for whatever reason, we saw somebody like Ben Shapiro really kind of get behind Ron DeSantis. Um, and <laughs> sorry, <laughs> our, our good friend Bujahideen just dropped in and says, I don't hear it. It's a skill issue. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, 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 our, um, so looking at the whole DeSantis thing, like Ben Shapiro jumped in behind DeSantis and very obviously was pushing him hard. He came in a little late, which was funny. And then DeSantis dropped out and all of the sudden, uh, Ben Shapiro dropped a rap video. Oh God. So in one, what do you do fellow children? Yeah. Like 40 (laughs) in, in what can only be defined as, uh, the cringiest and gayest thing that I've seen in politics in, in quite a while. Ben Shapiro dropped a rap album. And there was literally butt sex in the, in Congress not too long ago. (laughs) Yeah. 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 There was literally butt sex in Congress and this is gayer than that. (laughs) Like, oh my God. It's so, how do you not know? How do you not know? Uh, because like when I shared this on on our uh, on our X account, I I li- literally put the GIF from uh, the two old church people <laughs> that do the rap. Everyone knows this video. Yeah. Um. It, it's like how do you not know that you were going to be a gross? Uh. Yeah. How do how do you not know you're going to be gross? Like it's just it's so. Well, it dumb. depends on who the audience is. Yeah. If you think the audience, your if you think your audience is potentially, let's say, oh, I don't know, out of touch boomers, maybe they the idea of a rap video would appeal to them. <laughs> this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. If you were trying to be the most serious kind of 
news organization that was had a lot of credibility, I don't know if I would be making rap videos. If I was just trying to increase my engagement on YouTube and other things, I could understand how that might be an appealing idea to accomplish a goal that's different than what your stated goal is. I guess that's really my gripe. I think that a lot of the right-wing commentary, just like any anything, is full of not necessarily grifters or dishonesty, but full of people whose goal is to get into this to make money first and are operating under this somewhat false pretense of, I'm doing this because I care so much about America. Right. Yeah, and and the reason why I'm bringing it up is we're going to see more of this. Uh, it's something that's it's something that's consistently always been a problem. Uh, for example, uh, the fringes always end up influencing uh, the overall discussion. So when you look at things like the Tea Party, or even just to be honest, if you're smart, you should always be viewing the libertarian movement uh, for what's going to come down the road. Uh, in, in years to come for republicanism because the libertarian mm -hmm. movement's good ideas will get absorbed into the Republican party and it's bad ideas like, you know, pedophilia, uh, don't, <laughs> so maybe they get absorbed by the Democrats, but, uh, it, it's something to always pay attention to. And one of the things that I'll always remember probably, probably just because I was, you know, a, a young adult at the time was watching the Tea Party movement actually get co-opted by basically the corporate Republican Party. You know, Sean Hannity got behind the mm -hmm. Tea Party. That should have been a warning to everybody uh, that it's no longer going to be like a real thing. Um, And so it's one of those, it's just one of those things that you always have to pay attention to and heading into this election, especially because let's be honest, the 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 primary is basically going to be over soon. And, and what I mean by that is it's just Nikki Haley doesn't have a chance in hell. Uh, we're, we'll get into her intentions, uh, what her real intentions are uh, later on in this program. Uh, but like she doesn't have a chance in hell. So things are going to get well sealed up. Uh, really, she really should drop out because there's no point. But things are going to get pretty well sealed up. And then uh, it's, it's going to be this movement forward. Uh, and we're basically just going to be moving into 2024 into the general election season uh, within about the next month. And that's, that's going to result in, you know, the more of a coalescent push toward getting everything ready for 2024, which means that we are also going to see a lot of these content creators attempt to co-op and signal and maybe even counter signal because they want their ideas to be first. Uh, their ideas or their investors' ideas or their lobbyist ideas, whoever, however the hell you want to say it. Um, which brings me actually mm -hmm. into our next story, which is Carrie Lake. And uh, one of the things that I put in the title of this show is that there's this like almost like a sea change happening politically right now. There's something going on. Something is opening up. I don't know a better way to say it. And, and I know it sounds like kind of esoteric, but, you know, that's fine. Something is opening up. There is something within the overall consciousness um, in, in really the world right now where people are, are more open to arguments that used to be completely verboten. And this isn't even just like, oh, the Overton window has shifted. I mean, people, some something snapped. I, I, I don't know a better way to phrase it. And this is, I don't have research for this. This is just a feeling. But something snapped. And it was, it was within the last week or so where it feels like 
a rush of people suddenly woke up. And then on top of that, a rush of information suddenly became available that backs up things that have been really difficult to kind of prove to people. For example, this Carrie Lake uh, drop, it's simplistic. The whole concept, we'll play a little bit of audio here, but uh, she recorded a conversation that happened months ago uh, with the chair of the Arizona GOP where he was bribing her to not run. He was bribing her to drop out of the race. Mm. Now, what's interesting is this information dropped and nobody was shocked by it. And I think that that's extremely notable. It's easy for us, for Alan and I, and for our uh, you know audience here to go, well, I mean, of course. No, I, I don't think you guys understand what I mean. Your normicon boomers were unsurprised. Mm. And that is a, I think that's a, that's a very perceptive change to me that we're not seeing. It's like out of nowhere, a lot of the voting base, either they were being suppressed, artificially suppressed on like social media uh, because everyone was distracted by the, the gayness of the uh, primary. Or it's that everyone kind of like something snapped within everyone and they realized that there's a giant game being played. But here's a little bit of audio of the call. Um, we only need to go into the first like minute, minute and a half of this call for you to really hear what's going on. Uh, but and we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into how comfortable. That's the biggest thing. I want you all to listen to how comfortable. Uh, Jeff DeWitt, who was the, the former, now former Arizona Republican Party chair, um, listen to how comfortable he is having this conversation with Carrie Lake. Is there a number at which I can be bought? That's <laughs> what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. And then go right back to where you're No. 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion, no. This is not about money. This is about our country. I think it's disturbing that they would even, that anybody would think this is. I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone. I can't think of a single person in a federal race who's lost, ran in and won. I can't think of it. If you can think of it, let me know. I'm not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. So what's going on? What is, uh, I'm assuming this is our friend. Uh, this is, this is, this is back east. Okay. So <clears throat> someone from back east, which I assume has to be like kind of the federal large party, mm -hmm. was offering money to her. To drop out. And and his rationale, by the way, was I can't think of a single person who ran in a federal race that lost and then won again. Which, by the way, okay. is a very common talking point that I see from basically GOP influencers that don't like the MAGA movement. Remember that that's a common talking point and, and it's also completely false. There was all, there's always this big talking point about, um, here's all of these, uh, here's all of these, uh, uh, 
races that Trump lost. Trump's really good at losing. You know, here's the people he endorsed that lost. See how good he is at losing. You know, they don't note the fact that there's also a shitload of candidates that the, I think it's something like 20. I think 20 Trump endorsed candidates in total lost their races. And that's actually a mm -hmm. record. Believe it or not, that's a, that's a record. Good record or bad record? It's a good record because uh, George W. Bush endorsed a lot of candidates. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but George W. Bush didn't hang on to the House and Senate. So interesting, right? Is, isn't that interesting? You know, same, same thing. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan consistently had a Democrat House of Representatives. So did he like not win or I, I'm confused. In fact, the, the entire time that Ronald Reagan was president of the United States, the House of Representatives was Democrat because the House of Representatives didn't become Republican until 1996 for the first time in 40 years. So that means wow. 1956 was 1956 was the last time that Republicans controlled the House of Representatives until 1996 when Newt Gingrich wrote the contract for America and it was during the Clinton administration. It was the first time in 40 years that the Republican Party wow. controlled the House of Representatives. So all of those so I guess like Nixon and Reagan and and, you know, like H.W. Bush, all losers, all of them, every single one of them fucking losers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, all those people are also part of the Uniparty, so they are beyond criticism. Trump, like, the GOP hates Trump. Right. There's all these, I mean, there was not a never, there was not a never Reagan movement inside the GOP while Reagan was president. There wasn't a never Bush movement inside the GOP when Bush was president. Mm -hmm. Like there is a never Trump movement because Trump represents some existential threat to the political ruling class, which includes a lot of people in the G the establishment GOP. Well, I, you know, and, 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 um, I'm not going to go individually through it, but in my following of rage induced, uh, tweets from psychopaths that were trying to trying to elevate their brand by backing DeSantis. Uh, I have, it, it confirmed something that I've, I've said on the show before. I can tell you exactly what the actual threat is that not even Trump, but we'll call it the MAGA movement. The America first movement actually poses to the GOP. Um, this is mm -hmm. a very simplistic way of framing it, but it's this, um, the regular American voter or what they view as think of it as like flyover country Midwest, uh, you know, those people having a voice and being ascendant or viewed as ascendant in the Republican party actually disgusts a lot of people in the party itself. The idea that mm -hmm. they have to listen to a guy with a Southern accent who talks about being concerned about a vaccine or thinks that maybe there's something in the water, you know, or, or talks about even demographic replacement or any of this. They look at those people because you have to think about how foundational a lot of these Republicans are from like the 1990s and anything that they, yeah, honestly, anything that's reflective of somebody who listens to like talk radio or liked the X-Files or basically the Alex Jones meme or any of these groups, the conspiratorial, the, the hayseed American who's, 
the Republican Party elite want to sit in a country club and fucking talk about the Austrian school economics. That's what they want to do. That's all they want to do. They want to read the Wall Street Journal and they want to talk about um, high-end economics and all act like they're really fucking smart. So the idea that there are American voters right now that have an incredible voice that are talking about things like immigration or talking about what's being taught in their schools or, you know, just in general, what's on television and what, you know, what their children are being exposed to and whether or not society uh, like is, is really as faithful as they think it is and stuff like this. This is, this is anathema to the politics that these idiots want. Because it's not something that you can talk about at a party and feel really smart. There are actual issues with which people get emotional about. And you might have to take an actual stance that doesn't get you invited to the cocktail party at the Met. Mm -hmm. It is all about being the nobility. These people want to be the nobility. And you don't get to be nobility by hanging out with the peasants. Yeah. I, that's the best way to put it. And and honestly, regardless of what people think about Trump as a person or whether or not he feels this way in reality, the Republican Party right now with the MAGA movement, America First movement, looks very much like a peasant party. And I don't mean that to be bad. I mean that to be people who leave their boots on the porch at night and have to wash their clothes and take a shower after they work, have a voice, are talking about things, are leading discussions right now, and their concerns are being focused on by a lot of candidates to great success, and this is anathema to the Washington, D.C. political culture because nobody gets to sound smart talking about these people's issues. Right, a lot of it is the media and America and the media, Hollywood, American culture has basically spent the last however many years ensuring that the caricature of the dumb peasant that fills all our mind is basically a white redneck. Yep. And there is a lot of people that are right wing adjacent, totally normal, good people who maybe have voted Republican their whole life, but have are still has still succumbed to the programming that's been put in their heads and still view basically and are just being directed by essentially the left they might think that they're on right wing they might think they're republicans but their attitudes are cultivated by the left because they're like these a lot of nikki haley voters probably fall in this category it's like, <laughs> well i just want the i want to i want to be right wing because i know i'm not a, one of those dirty communists but at the same time, I'm too smart to be lumped in with all the dumb people. Now, granted, Hollywood is basically tell Hollywood media tells these people, well, the dumb people are are that group over there. You don't want to be considered dumb like them. And a lot of people on the right scrabble away like, oh, God, no, I don't want to be viewed as a dumb person by my peers. It's like, well, if you support, say, Donald Trump, your your peers, your friends will think you're stupid. Oh mm -hmm. God, no! I have I can't do that. I might get asked uncomfortable questions at parties. I better support Nikki Haley and the Thinking Man's candidate. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Trump's going to be the candidate. All of these people will quietly vote for him because at the end of the day, they're most people who are not most most never Trump individuals. 
So normal, everyday Americans that say they're never Trump, at the end of the day, they ju- it's all a performance, just like most people on the left that think they're pro you know, pro Biden. It's really all a performance that is going to evaporate at the first sign of of um, conflict. They'll, they're going to go, oh, I, I vote. I'm going to vote Trump in the primary. I'll vote Trump in the general election. But I'm going to tell all my friends that, you know, I did it with a heavy heart because I care so much about decency. But at the end of the day, their opinions don't matter because it's all just a performance. They can be directed by whichever way the actual political winds move. And it's it's hard to care too much about these people. The only thing that really matters is when they're essentially weaponized against us by the establishment and... The establishment says stands ready to present people like Nikki Haley going, this is the this is the smart person's candidate. Now, we don't really have to worry about that now because it's pretty well impossible for Nikki Haley to get the, to win the nomination, become president. But it is something to always consider that a lot of people's politics and opinions are not actually based on careful consideration, but essentially on the media told me this and I'm just reacting to that. Well, <clears throat> And in addition to that, we, you know, we do have to be concerned about stuff like that for 2028. There is going to be mm-hmm. an open primary in 2028. And these people are going to want to co-opt. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to have to pay attention to who is going to be pulling the levers of power. And mm-hmm. with that, so this is and th- this, this actually all results in some good news. Um, since yeah. we're talking about uh, whether or not you know groups can take over, and and right now this is part of the shift that I'm talking about. Texas is having a a, a standoff <laughs> with the federal Ooh. government at the border. Um, Let's go. You know, un- under under the you know, if we had a segment for this shit, I didn't think I would see the Republican Party do. Uh, Greg Abbott has just decided he's had enough, uh, like, and he's just, no, I'm deploying my national guard. I'm going to put them at the border and, um, do something like literally challenging, which by the way, this is really all it takes call Mm -hmm. bullshit. This is the one thing that really the GOP uh, is bad at the, the left is really good at this. And the, the GOP is just terrible, which is just call their bullshit. So Greg Abbott is securing the border with his national guard. And, uh, just to get through some of the dumb takes that people have, uh, which is he's not defying a Supreme court order. The Supreme court ruling just said that the federal government can, get rid of razor wire Mm -hmm. at the border. It didn't say Texas had to get rid of it and that Texas basically couldn't lay it down in reality. It basically just said that the the federal government is allowed to get rid of barriers that are put in by a state, which, okay. And uh, Greg Mm -hmm. Abbott had an answer to that, which was fine. I'm going to deploy my national guard. And then a bunch of other Republican governors go, would you also like my National Guard? Yeah. So Oklahoma has sent our troops, National Guard troops, the governor of Oklahoma sent National Guard troops to support Operation Lone Star in Texas. Oh, fucking. I and another, and out of what is now 25 different governors of states have 
given statements in full support of Greg, uh, the governor, Governor Abbott of Texas against the federal government, which is, I think, in and of itself, and it, something I did not expect to see in such a short time period, this swathe of Republican governors standing up and saying, we support the governor of Texas against the federal government. Now, I think this is, I think they looked at how the, the winds are shifting. They looked at their own states and said, well, shoot, I have nothing to lose by endorsing this. I know DeSantis, like he got away from his consultants that he was using on the campaign trail and made some very strong statements in support of Texas against the federal government. And it's great to see. I mean, it takes 38 states to get a, a constitutional convention, and we're a long way from that. But if 25 state governors are openly voicing support for Texas against the federal government and entertaining the idea of deploying their National Guard to join with Texas, essentially to fight, the, to prepare to fight the federal government, that is a very interesting scenario that... I certainly did not expect, and I don't know if anybody, any of us really know how it's going to turn out. I think everything, I think we're kind of entering uncharted territory here, and it's very exciting to see. Well, in, so the Supreme Court basically said, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You do the Supreme Court part because then I'm going to do a. a I was going to say, so the Supreme Court essentially ruled yes, it is legal for the. It is constitutional for the Biden, for the federal government to remove the barriers that Texas put up, which, while annoying, and if everybody on the, if all the conservative justices on the Supreme Court were playing the friend versus enemy game, it maybe wouldn't have come to that conclusion. But I can understand how if they looked at the Constitution and say, well, the supremacy clause, the supremacy doctrine of the federal government over states should apply here. It, essentially, if the Supreme Court is operating under, in a sane country, yes, the federal government is has final say on the national borders. I understand that. Uh, that's understandable. However, that's not really how this was interpreted. Interpreted. What was interpreted, because I think this matters more, is Greg of Texas said, well, that's great that it's legal, constitutional for them to do it. I'm still not giving them control of this park in is it Eagle Pass. I'm still not giving them back control of the federal like of the border. Mm -hmm. Now, the Supreme Court really didn't rule on that. They just said, well, it's legal for them to take down your barriers. But essentially, Texas now says, okay, well, it's yeah, great. Uh, legal for them to take down the barriers. They can come try. So it this set the stage now we're now the situation at the border is such that texas national guard troops state troops are occupying an area that the federal government wants to take control of the constitution says the federal government could can take control of this area and texas is saying we're not going to let you mm -hmm. recently the biden administration essentially filed a court a motion, a request from the Biden administration. They requested um, 
the, that Texas grant federal immigration officials full access to the park along the southern border where the National Guard has basically sealed it all off with razor wire. The, um, here it is, the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, they essentially gave them a, a deadline until Friday. So the Department of Homeland Security gave Texas a deadline of Friday to say that to relent and allow federal agents inside Shelby Park. On Friday, Texas Attorney General Paxton rebuffed the demand and said Texas state officials would not allow DHS to turn the area into, quote, unofficial and unlawful port of entry, which is pretty interesting wording. Your request is hereby denied, Paxton wrote in his letter to the Department of Homeland Security. So that's the that that was Friday. So the most recent event was the Biden administration said, you have a deadline until Friday to do this. And Texas said, no. <laughs> Ball's now in Biden's court. What happens? So when I say we're mm -hmm. entering uncharted territory, I mean, what happens if Biden sends a bunch of federal agents to say, well, we're going to call Texas's bluff. We're going to send these agents over and they're going to go, I have, I'm backed by the Supreme Court. I have constitutional authority to do this. The federal government is more supreme than the states. You should allow my convoy of black SUVs past your razor wire to take control of this park. And some 18-year-old Texas National Guardsman is going to be standing there with an M16 and go, my orders are to not let you. And there is potential that in five minutes, the country could be either pretty much the same or radically on a different path if that confrontation happens. Well, and it's interesting because there was there was a conversation about this. Uh, Newsmax had an interview uh, with John Kirby, who is the uh, National Security Council head for the Biden administration. Uh, and there, there was a, a little bit of an exchange here to, that where uh, there's some discussion. Uh, and, and so this is this is what Ken Paxton or Ken Paxton. Good Lord. John Kirby. Um, <laughs> You can tell I'm reading two things at once. Um, John Kirby, th th this is what he had to say to Newsmax when they were asking uh, about what's, you know, what's going on with the Texas National Guard and its mobilization at the border and, uh, you know, kind of what, what the administration's thoughts are on it. There's rumblings that Joe Biden should or may actually federalize the National Guard, take that power away from Greg Abbott. Let's say this showdown, I mean, this, that's what it is. It's a showdown. It's a showdown of power and loyalties and constitutionality. Let's say he does that. How many people say, no, you know what? Screw you, Biden administration. And how many people stay and fight with Texas versus the federal things? And does that put us on course for a force on force conflict? I mean, right right now, you've got uh, the federal agents that are cutting the wire, and then you've got the Texas National Guard on orders to put up wire. I mean, this is a this is a counter uh, a powder keg worth of uh, tension. So it's very uh, it, it, it's it's a very weird situation. We certainly stand with uh, with Texas on their right to defend themselves. By the way, real quick, uh, just to make a note, this isn't with John Kirby. It's a uh... Reaction to John Kirby's statements. This you're hearing from Governor Stitt of Oklahoma, who also sent troops. So my apologies on that, but here we go. Um, but Biden's going to be in a tough situation. So in other words, he's going to try to federalize these troops. In other words, put them on federal orders, and so now their allegiance technically goes to the President of the United States instead of the governor. Um, and of course, I think a lot of Texans. These are still 
Um, they're still yeah. Texans that are weekend. Uh, you know, they're in the National Guards. They do one week in a month or when they get called up on duties by the governor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think they would be in a difficult situation to protect their homeland or to follow what Biden's saying. Yeah, literally I, I open it. Be very interesting. But then, you know, then you've got Oklahoma and Florida and Tennessee and you got all these other states that would send our National Guard uh, to help and, and to support the efforts of, uh, of uh, Governor Abbott. Because every state is a border state. You talked about fentanyl. Uh, the deaths in Oklahoma. So <clears throat> what's interesting here is um, the reaction to this, and that was part of the confusion for this, was the reaction to this is um, – a lot of people on the left are taking this as the Republicans are talking about a hot civil war. Let's go. Yeah. I Well, and, and I mean, yeah, like that's like, is Biden going to risk an actual armed conflict at the border um, over this kind of pettiness? Like there's no way that this doesn't look petty. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to what your federal troops are going to go shoot some 18 year old kid holding an M4 at the border because for, for what reason exactly you're like, are you going to commit violence against American citizens? So what random, so military oh, aged are, males from, from yeah. Guatemala can just wander across our yeah. border. Make that make sense. The the regime has absolutely no ground to stand on, no legitimate ground to stand on here. And anyone on the left has no legitimate ground to stand on here. And it's phenomenal to see because you have Texas saying we the there is plenty of videos of the federal government cutting open holes in the border fences, using excavators to lift up razor wire so hordes of people can flood in under it we have everyone i can see this stuff and go oh there is clear evidence right here that the federal government is absolutely aiding and abetting hundreds of thousands of people to swarm into this country across the border that it is supposed to control and maintain we have st cities like Denver, Chicago, New York, New Jersey. These places are getting flooded with immigrants, flooded with the illegal aliens that are now having to sleep in schools and police stations and airports because there's no space for these people. I mean, in, in Denver alone, because that's what I remember off the top of my head, it's, they said something like 10% of the city budget ha is currently being spent on housing migrants. So this is a huge problem that is hitting. It's not just in Texas. The second order consequences of the federal government's actions are having a detrimental effect all across the United States. And all they had to do is go, well, we'll just leave the razor wire in place and just not not actively let them in. So the federal government has no leg to stand on here. They like there's no way this is justifiable to anyone, any liberal, any Democrat. All they can do is maybe complain about it, but there's no argument they can make that makes it good. The only argument is, well, I just hate America and white people and want to flood us with brown people so that then we can never elect another Donald Trump. That, that's They're left with nothing. They have no position of authority to stand on because they're destroyed it. There's nothing they can do to claim that this is in any way good or positive or an improvement on the country. 
And so they're left looking at this and going, well, but we want all of the mass immigration. But Texas is now saying, no. It's interesting because they're, to me, because they're left with naked force is the mm -hmm. only real answer they have left. And I see it as the Biden administration only has a couple options right now. They just, the Department of Homeland Security demanded access to this park. Texas basically said, no, on Friday. So now their next course of action is a couple things. They, if they were smart, they would just do nothing. There's plenty of other border in California, New Mexico, Arizona. There's plenty of other places that swarms of people can come in. They can still get their mass immigration browning of America. But they'll just shut up about it. They'll stop talking about Texas. They won't take any action against Texas. They'll pull back from Texas and just l let it die on the vine. They c I mean, clearly, the regime has the ear of media networks and could just tell all of them, listen, don't discuss this stuff at the border. Don't discuss what discuss what Texas is doing. Yeah, Texas is basically giving the finger to the federal government right now, but just don't talk about it. Let it die. And then the country would move on. People would kind of forget about this. I think they it could just go back to slowly simmering away from people's notice. That would be the smartest thing they could do. But everything else I've seen from Democrats in the Biden administration means I'm pretty sure they're not going to choose the smartest option. Because that would mean they'd have to be adults being led by people that are competent. And I am very dubious of that fact. So the other option is, well, what do you do? Well, I think based on because they're all Democrats and everything I've seen from Democrats, both in the halls of power and not over the last now eight years has shown me that the thing they absolutely cannot stand the most is any appearance that their political enemies have actual power to do anything. It infuriates them. Any win that the right wing even possibly could get immediately attracts all this attention from the left that we have to destroy it. Honestly, that's one of the reasons that they hated Trump so much was because what Trump represented was a win for their political enemies, and they absolutely cannot stand that. And so I have every reason to believe when they look at the situation in Texas, what a lot of Democrats are going to see is their political enemies getting a win. And I think that is going to drive them insane and force them to act. And the thing is, there's no action that the Biden administration could take about Texas taking over sections of its border that improves the situation and brings it more under their control. There's the, the, the only option that they have is to do nothing. Everything else makes the situation worse. And I think that is exactly what they're going to do. I think that they're going to send, I mean, the next next case scenario is, they send a bunch of DHS agents to show up and say, we demand access to this park. Who knows how that goes? I don't think they're going to call up for all the soldiers out of Fort Bliss and send Abrams tanks to go run over an 18-year-old Texas National Guardsman. That's maybe a little further down the line from where we are. But I do think they're going to send people, they're going to send federal agents to basically have a confrontation because they're arrogant enough to think it'll work. And they're driven to such heights of irritation over their enemies getting a win that they are going to just, it's impossible to think that they'd let this go. They're going to have to crush it. They're going to have to destroy it. They hate it so much. I'm 
sure that it will they are gonna try to force the issue. And that's gonna be a very interesting day. Because I don't think Texas is gonna back down. I really don't. So one of the other options that's been floated, Biden might try, and this is maybe this is maybe another very likely scenario. Biden might try to nationalize the Texas uh, federal federalize the Texas National Guard and then say, well, I'm now ordering you away from the border. That would be kind of within I could see people thinking that was a viable. Now, I believe the Texas state governor has to approve that. And I don't think Abbott will, but I could see that being something that is tried. And again, what's that going to do uh, if that's refused? If Biden says, well, I uh, hereby, as commander in chief of the U.S. military, I order I order the Texas National Guard to abandon their post. And they say no. Yeah. Uh, that's <clears throat> now that's now a situation where essentially you have I mean that it's hard for me to look at this and not feel that we are on the cusp of a serious constitutional crisis in the country. Because I feel like all of these states sporting Texas, everybody is primed and ready to disobey the federal government. And the federal government's only reaction that they could do is naked force. So if they say send a bunch of DHS agents to show up and say, well, we're taking control of this park and you're not, and I demand you pull this razor outside. And they say no. I, first off, I think it might end there because I don't think anybody in the, any agent, anybody in the federal government, I don't think they have the, I don't think they want that. I don't think they're going to risk their life for mass immigration across the border. Which is fascinating to think. Are a bunch of FBI agents going to go? I'm going to risk that this 18 year old Texas National Guardsman shoots me, so that Joe Biden, my boss, can mass immigrate a bunch of people. No, they're going to go. Okay, well, I guess we just retreat and call our headquarters and say, well, that didn't work. Because I can't imagine if they push back just a little bit, they just say, no, my orders from from the governor, and I'm not letting you in. And they're like, well, you have to let me in. It's just going to go back and forth. I don't think anyone pulls a gun because what's some federal agent like federal, federal agents going to go? Yeah, I don't really care that much about this. I'm just following orders, man. I mean, if and if and say he tries to federalize the troops and they go no, then what's he going to do? Well, you're all now uh, insubordinate to the commander in chief. Okay, <laughs> what so? The governor Abbott of Texas is, would probably easily can just go. Okay, well, the state of Texas is now protecting every single one of you. Uh, if the if the federal government tries to take any legal action against Texas National Guardsmen, we're just going to call up more National Guardsmen and like not let that happen. Like we're going to basically expel federal agents from Texas territory, and you're not going to, and we're not going to let my guardsmen get arrested. Easy for him to do. He can just do that. And then go, and then the federal government goes. Well, you can't do that, though. Not like that. So, uh, I don't think the the left will be able to help themselves. I think they're going to keep pushing this issue, mm -hmm. and I think that's only going to ramp up tensions in our favor because you also have all of these other twenty five states that have pledged support for Governor Abbott at the border. Right. Imagine if. Department of Homeland Security goons show up, push the issue, and get in a gunfight with Texas National Guards. I think that's a little extreme. I'd be surprised if that happens. But let's say that it does. 
let's say there's a standoff and like two DHS agents are killed and three National Guardsmen are killed in its tent. Okay, the next day, do all those governors look at the go, well, we don't actually support it anymore. Do they back off? Do they go, we don't actually support this anymore. We're on the side of the federal government. I don't think so. I think if the, if the, if tensions increase, those governors of 25 states, mm-hmm. they can't backpedal this now. They say they said I support this. They are now politically in a situation where they couldn't backpedal away from it. They would have to even if they did nothing else, they would go, well, even despite the recent clash at the border between federal agents and the National Guard, we still support Grab Abbott in Texas. Doesn't change the fact that the federal government wants to allow an invasion. What's and it? you can see how this could rapidly, chain of events could rapidly spiral out of control. What's interesting about this is one of the things that you brought up, right, is like there's still border. You have New Mexico, Arizona, California. Yeah. Um, this is what's fascinating. So the the idea being that they just ignore it, right? And then, you know, they can still mm-hmm. have people stream across the border. Well, there's a problem. All of those states I just named are Democrats. They have Democrat governors. Yeah. And yeah. as we've seen, one of the smartest and canniest uh, uh, political moves um, in recent memory was Florida and Texas shipping illegal immigrants to Democrat states that claim to be sanctuaries like New York, yeah. um, you know, New York, New Jersey, and, and some of these other states, even Colorado, where you're seeing uh, they have to house them in schools. They have to house them in uh, in airports. Uh, they've uh, I mean, we everybody remembers the whole Martha's Vineyard hilarity where it's like we're going to have a bus show up at Martha's Vineyard. Uh, with a bunch of illegal immigrants and then the martha's vineyard people were like get them out now and they tried to pretend like it was some sort of great wonderful thing uh you know they like they took all those instagram videos of them hugging the immigrants that stayed there and but but everyone knows that it was all the you know white rich liberals that were like oh my god get them the fuck off my lawn <laughs> so yeah um it's amazing because it, it it's to be completely honest, it, it is making the pressure real. This is no longer um, th- th- this is no longer just like some random discuss. This is not a theoretical discussion in American households anymore. This is actually something that people have to address. Specifically, like here in Virginia, um, for a number of years, obviously we had a Democrat governor until the uh, mm-hmm. until the election um, recently, but. You know, we were a sanctuary state and we took in, quote, refugees and like my kid's school has to put an inordinate amount of resources into just being able to teach kids that don't even know English. Absolutely insane. And even like now it gets even more weird because we have Ukrainian refugees and we have Afghani refugees and like all this other all this other shit going on. And it's just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's even worse further North near DC where there are like people that vote, have voted Democrat their entire lives are going, well, okay, but like maybe no anymore. Can we maybe not do this any longer? And of course the, the Democrat, you know, party itself is like, Oh no, we're going to do it even harder because it makes the conservatives yeah. mad. 
but this is mm-hmm. this is this is the fundamental aspect of everything is it all it all goes back to it's just the simple question of why the fuck do we need this and the only emotional response that you can get from a lib is they're refugees yeah and at a certain point everyone's well, and- gonna go no they're fucking not <laughs> And you mentioned it, so Nevada, Arizona, you said these are blue states. Well, how many people in those states are furious at what's going on? And we'll see what Texas is doing and going, we should be doing that here. Why do all these Democrats in my state want to keep doing this? I can imagine a bunch of Democrats in those states looking at Texas and going, well, that's pretty reasonable. I mean, like, I might vote Democrat, but my town, but all my, but... Half the kids in my kids' school are now immigrants, and this is nuts. And there's no way even people, like regular Democrat voting Americans who aren't crazy activists, there's no way they would, they're going to be that okay with this because it's a big detriment to their lives. People in Denver, people in New York, people in Philadelphia hate, like, are annoyed at all this. They're like, why is, why is my quality of life getting worse because of just mass immigration? Right. But at the same time, they're going to look at what Texas doing and go, what, what, you, governor of Arizona, do the same thing. And they'll be like, well, but like we support the Biden administration. It's like, well, don't. Like literally it's working. Like they're putting up razor wire and just keep that from happening here. I think it's going to cause political chaos in those states as well. And then what do you have when you have, all again, 25 state governors, all that have pledged support for Texas? What happens when they start going, you know what? I'm starting to put up border security between Utah and Arizona, and we're going to protect the Utah border inside the United States from illegal immigrants. We're going to just have to say, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, care what the law is or constitutionality, but um, Utah state troopers, uh, if they find anyone who's an illegal, we're just ejecting them from Utah. They could do that. That's <laughs> yeah. I think that's easily within the cards. And it, again, I we are... It seems like everything's fine now, but it would not shock me if we look back on these events as precipitating this just huge upheaval and crisis in the United States. Because I could like because it's people are demanding action. I think that's why the GOP felt comfortable doing taking doing this and throwing their support behind it. Like governors, like you mentioned before, Governor Abbott of Texas isn't even like the most right wing governor on immigration at all yeah but he was just like this is just terrible i hate it like i should do something and he realized i can do this and there's going to be no negative political ramifications to me great how many other governors are looked looked at this and thought the same thing it's like i can just do this and there's and it will only improve my situation which means that governors of republican states their political calculus, or especially the political calculus of the analysts that are advising them and the consultants advising them, are pushing them to, to do things that essentially we want. They're pushing them to say, listen, sir, the best thing you could do right now is to push back on illegal immigration and support Texas. And they go, okay, well, I guess we do that. And that's, in, like I said, that's pretty amazing because the people in those states, like people in a lot of these red states, if their governors take a even harder line, like we're going to start protecting the borders inside the United States from illegal immigrants, we're going to refuse the, to, to allow any illegal immigrants into our state, even if the Biden administration wants us to take them. They will have the complete support of their red 
population in doing just that. And in fact, if you were the governor of one of these 25 states and you wanted to make a name for yourself, if you were, say, a little bit arrogant and wanted to increase your power and prestige in the in the greater Republican Party, the best thing you could do is say, we're sending troops, to, we're sending National Guard troops to Texas and or I'm going to start protecting my borders like that Greg Abbott down there. I think that's absolutely within the cards. I'd be shocked if there weren't Republican governors look trying to think, how can I take this situation and improve and make myself even more popular? Clearly, if once they look at this and go, ooh, it's a really popular thing for me to oppose the Biden administration on immigration, because you have to be kind of a little bit <laughs> like to get into politics this far, you have to be willing to jump on those opportunities. And I think that they will. It's going to be very interesting. Well, and it's um, what's what's fascinating, too, is we have to look at like what's what's the political breakdown going to be and and the political breakdown of it, because the uh, Biden administration is backed against a wall, is there was a border deal mm -hmm. that was being offered and it was yeah. it was to complete shit. Um, it's like not even it basically was mass amnesty. Yeah, yeah, it's mass amnesty. Uh, you know, of course, like the, of course, the GOP at the federal level does the, what, what can only be the dumbest and like fucking like snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, um, attempted to pass a mass amnesty bill. Uh, and it was like, it was going to like issue visas, but it would slightly reduce the millions of people streaming across the border and the statements. Yeah, it was that exactly what Democrats wanted. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It, I mean, the bill was drafted by by Chuck Schumer. I mean, for God's sakes, and so, uh, yeah. and and the statements that we're going to see coming from the Biden administration are going to be that well, Republicans aren't actually serious about the border because if they were actually serious, they would have signed this legislation that doesn't actually do anything. In fact, I just saw a Time Magazine article at the top of my timeline that said Joe Biden said that he would shut down the border if Republicans signed a deal, which doesn't make any sense, but don't take it from me. Listen to Ted Cruz here explain to you exactly how we could solve this immigration problem today without having to write any sort of law. So uh, here's a clip mm -hmm. of, uh, of Ted Cruz, who's a senator from Texas. Uh, this is what he had to say uh, a few days ago um, on the 25th. Uh, when he was on Fox News talking about why he doesn't even support a border bill. Uh, you have blasted it, yeah. obviously. And now there's this other reporting coming out suggesting that maybe the uh, Mitch McConnell and, and mm -hmm. you know leadership is pulling back their support for it. What is going on there? Are Republicans really going to back away from an issue that they keep saying needs to be solved? So let me break that into two pieces. You, you started by what Biden is saying. And I'll tell you what Biden is saying on that. There's a technical term for that. <laughs> That's called a lie. And it's not just a little bit of a lie. It is a brazen, it is the definition of chutzpah. Here's why. When Joe Biden became president, he inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. He inherited great success. And he deliberately broke the border. He opened up the border. Three decisions caused this crisis. His first week in office, Joe Biden halted construction of the border wall. He reinstated catch and release, and he pulled out of the incredibly successful Remain in Mexico agreement. And those decisions caused illegal immigration to skyrocket. Now, the reason he's lying, he doesn't need more money. 
those decisions, he could, Biden could solve this problem tomorrow. He doesn't want to. So are you saying that, that, that there's no reason to have a border bill? We, act, we don't need a border bill. We, we achieved the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years under Donald Trump. What was different is you had a president that wanted to secure the border. Joe Biden is defying the law right now. And, and so you asked about. So that, that's the basic breakdown. And, and it's, it's, it's very simple. It's just that this didn't need to happen at all. Like here are the things that were repealed, uh, by Joe Biden that, that president Trump had, and he had the lowest immigration, you know, in 45 years, it's, it wasn't zero, uh, but he, you know, was trying to get a wall built as well, which only cost, uh, you know, measly $2 billion, which we basically use as chump change to throw towards Ukraine or Israel. So make it make sense. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's as simple as that. And it's, it's, it's all a lie, but it's something that, that the Republican party needs to get ahead of, because this is going to be the talking point of the Democrats. Oh, see, they don't really care. They didn't pass a bill. So they, and they're doing an okay job of it, but they need to full court press that. But the other thing that they need to do is show how the Biden administration is trying to punish regular Americans for defying the federal government. Specifically, Greg Abbott of Texas is protecting his border against a flood of illegal immigrants, which, by the way, are causing great harm to Texas residents. There's skyrocketing crime, rapes, drugs, mm -hmm. all sorts of things like that. What does the Biden yeah. administration do? Because Greg Abbott is, you know, standing up for the people of his state. They ban liquid natural gas leases, attempting to basically destroy the Texas economy and put hundreds of thousands of Texans out of jobs. Yeah. So Texas is one of the biggest liquid natural gas. I'm not sure if it's producers, but at least logistics, the biggest liquid natural gas. Um, it is producers. States. They are the largest, okay. largest uh, liquid natural gas exporting state in the United States. Okay. Mm-hmm. Largest liquid natural gas exporting states. And if there's no new leases, that direct... And this was announced after this border stuff. And so I kind of go, yeah, I get that there's probably all these climate change initiatives in the works, but it certainly seems like awfully interesting <laughs> timing to slash natural gas leases right when the state that has the most to lose is essentially defying federal authority. It certainly looks like the federal government went, well, if you're going to fight us on immigration, then we're going to try and destroy your economy. Because Texas currently is one of the reasons, one of the offshoots of the uh, war in Ukraine. One of the things that people that are very pro the war in Ukraine are very excited about is the fact that it's basically cut off Europe from Russian and natural gas supplies. Europe now has a massive energy crisis because at the same time, left-wing green activists have destroyed the locally local energy infrastructure. Uh, very convenient for the left-wing supporters of the Ukraine war that there's now no, say, nuclear plants in Germany that could provide energy. Where does Europe get the energy? Well, if you talk to anyone that's pro, the you know, that hates Russia, they'll say, oh, the greatest thing is the U.S. is going to take up the slack and then we can supply liquid natural gas to Europe on these big container ships that run out of these huge transit hubs built mainly in, say, Texas. And so Texas, 
in response has gone, well, liquid natural gas is going to be a huge component of the U American economy in the coming years because Russian liquid natural gas is, or Russian natural gas is being stifled off by the war in Ukraine. How convenient. Let's build enormous natural gas uh, terminals to fill liquid natural gas container ships to drive it across the ocean to Europe, who desperately needs a source of energy that we stand ready to supply. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting about that is the Biden administration seemingly, the people that were, that had this idea of, well, see, we're going to like strip Europe off of Russian natural gas, then Russia won't be able to influence Europe. They're going to buy stuff from America. That's great. It's a win-win situation. Like these are like the, the, the Washington kind of elite, the Hillary Clinton type people, that side of the Democrat party looked at this like, this is an amazing money economic opportunity for the United States. And they're right now shooting themselves in the foot because they're squandering what they had. The whole plan was get Europe on addicted to American LNG. And that's good for America long term. And they're right now squandering that because oh, you don't allow, you're not allowing millions of undocumented immigrants in. Which to me is two things. It shows just how important flooding the country with non-whites is. And it also shows just how schizophrenic and any of the sort of globalist planning is. They don't have long, they can't stick to long-term plans for the future. They have to, they're just reacting to whatever the next greatest thing is, which actually means they're a very dangerous group to have in power because instead of having a pragmatic long-term approach, they're simply reacting to what's the best thing in the short term. Right. Well, and, and it's great. It, it is actually, honestly, it is, it is really great to see them throwing fits, which, which is what's happening. Like a hundred percent that's happening. Um, like the fits of rage and they're on their back foot, mm -hmm. which is one of the great things about like all of this policy that's going on. And in addition to that, um, on Tuesday, the Homeland Security Committee is going to be voting on impeachment proceedings for Secretary Mayorkas, the secretary of the DHS. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. Uh, there's a discussion going on in the uh, live chat right now <laughs> where somebody brought up uh, Ted Cruz needing to be the VP. Um, I think that... Mm. I think Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz really wants a slot as a uh, Supreme Court justice. Uh, to be completely honest, I think that's where he would oh, love to be. Um, and now there's mm -hmm. discussion about who sh who would make a good VP candidate. We can dive a little bit into it. I'm just going to make a statement on it real quick. So of course, there's a lot of people who push uh, the idea of somebody like General Flynn, Michael Flynn, being the VP. And um, I'm going to state right now, there's absolutely zero chance of Michael Flynn being the vice presidential uh, candidate with Donald Trump. And the reason why mm. is regardless of what you think about Michael Flynn, like he, he was, he was the, um, you know, uh, he, he was the director of the defense intelligence agency. He does have obviously some good experience and a very, a very, uh, a keen and good hatred for the military industrial complex and the intelligence, um, mm -hmm. apparatus, your vice presidential candidate needs to be a coalescing candidate. And Michael Flynn is toxic as absolute hell. If he puts Michael Flynn as the vice presidential candidate, Donald Trump will lose because Michael Flynn, I like the guy, but he sits on the fringes and he is going to terrify 
your regular kind of normie con voters because I don't know. He, I, I just, he's, he's, it, it's, it would be a media bloodbath. He'd be put out and, and reflected as a completely insane, crazy person. And I don't see why the Trump administration needs to take that risk. And, and to be fair, no, that, I, very, I don't, that's very reasonable. I, sure. I, I don't see where Michael Flynn adds. What, like, what, what does he mm -hmm. add as a vice president? He doesn't add shit as a vice president. Like, yeah, that, 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 that makes it, that, that makes it more of a personality choice. You want it to be a personality rather than someone who will be effective as a vice president and also effective as the next president of the United States in 2028. The person who sits in the VP slot for Donald Trump is who you want to be the next president of the United States in 2028. That's how a VP slot works. And so you just think he'd be too divisive? I, I don't think I don't think he adds any gravitas to the position. Trump already? Uh, I think I think that it would make it would highlight too much on the fringe crazy aspect of the Trump camp. Like we like that, other voters don't. Other voters don't like the Michael Flynn, the uh, My Pillow guy section of the party. The people who like were. I mean, you, you have people that are making statements about, and whether it's true or not, the idea that it was like, it was China that actually hacked our election from through Venezuela and all of that. Like they dove into that stuff mm -hmm. and to the regular voter, those people look fucking insane. Yeah. And it's not, it's not even, it's not even on the message that they're putting out. It's the way that they put it out. I just, I just think that, uh, I think it's too much of a risk and I don't see what the reward is. I like Michael Flynn. Mm -hmm. I, ah. I guess I don't really see the risk as much. I think that I'd be, it'd be hard pressed that he'd be so divisive that people would be like, you know, I, I want Joe Biden to be president more than I want Michael Flynn to be vice president. I can see what you're saying. Like the idea that, that it's just Biden's bad enough that we don't even really need to concern ourselves with even trying to like, this, this is a, uh, this next election is more against Biden than it is for the Republican candidate. I think there's definitely some, mm -hmm. something to that. I just think that it's, I don't think I, I don't, wouldn't, I mean, maybe your perception of Flynn is different than mine, and it must be, but I don't see Flynn as especially so divisive that anybody who wasn't going to vote Trump would not vote Trump simply because Michael Flynn's on the ticket. I think there's a lot of people that I know that like Michael Flynn, think he's great. Like, he's a, you know, he's a war hero. Like, that always plays well. And so I guess I... I may be more demure. I don't know that he would necessarily be a bad choice, but I could maybe not necessarily the best choice. My my but concern always sits. I don't know that it would really hurt things. Yeah. Well, my my concern isn't even necessarily uh, if we're going because the the concern that's being put here by HDR uh, cynical in our chat is the idea that he uh, Trump needs somebody that he can trust and has military mm -hmm. experience to be able to guard against basically betrayals of the DOD. Which I understand. Yeah. I, I can understand the thought process. Um, but if we're entering it in the idea that there's these internecine and almost Byzantine um, politics of betrayal and, and you know, knives being out there and, and all of that, uh -huh. um, 
you run a guy like that, then what's going to end up happening is you're going to give absolute fuel to that wing to destroy the candidacy before it even becomes a presidency. That's the hard part. Yeah, I just still don't, I don't see how it would end up with so many people choosing to not vote because Michael Flynn's so scary. There is absolutely a contingent of Republican voters that don't like the idea of the GOP being a conspiratorial party that constantly thinks that everything's a massive Alex Jonesian conspiracy. And Michael Flynn is part of the, that group of people. It's something we have I to... I mean, like, Michael Flynn was the director of the NSA. No, so he was he the... Well, DIA, a, but... Yeah. Okay, still. Like, he held a director-level position in the U.S. intelligence community. That probably gave... I feel like that grants him a lot of... No, I, 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 I agree with a you. A lot of capacity. But yeah. he, he went fucking all in, man. He went all in. Was the conspiracy real? I, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I like to think so. I think the 2020 election was stolen, but they haven't proved, they haven't really come up with anything that's actually definitive proof. They just bitch about it a lot. I, I think that anyone that supported Q and anyone that was that skeptical of the 2020 election would probably be thrilled. No, they absolutely would. Flynn. Yeah, that, that's, that's, okay. th those are the people that really want Michael Flynn. But then, I guess, I don't know who who this contingent of Republicans are that would be so terrified of Flynn that they'd want Biden to win, the continue being president. Like, I feel like almost I said, every... I said it was the normie cons, I just don't cons, know man. which Republicans. I, I said it was yeah. all the normie cons. You have a guy who yeah, literally... when like, they get into the voting booth, I just don't feel... I feel like a bunch of people like, wow, I support Nikki Haley. I think she's fucking great. I think in the when the voting happens, are they going to go, you know, I just want Biden to keep being president. I just feel very dubious about that. No, I get they it. They would. I mean, I, I don't know that Trump could pick a VP candidate. I think, I mean, maybe if he picks actually Alex Jones as his <laughs> VP candidate, that would be, it would be, that would be more discrediting than someone that was a general in the U.S. military. Like, no, I mean, that I, implies a level of competence that it would be very difficult to argue against. Like, he, well, he's an incompetent conspiracy theorist. Like, I don't know, man. He became a general in the U.S. Army. He has to be pretty competent and capable. Or Navy. I forget which which one. But Army? He was Army. Uh, anyway. Yeah. He was a, attained a general level position in that organization. And that speaks an awful lot about his competence. And it would be very difficult to argue against that in any kind of... I mean, the media could publish hit pieces on him, but the media is going to publish hit pieces on whoever they pick. The yeah. media is going to publish hit pieces on Trump the whole time. And if we're saying that that's not going to work, then that's hard for me to feel. I guess I maybe don't really understand enough about the negatives of Flynn. So I'll... Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't understand enough about the negatives of Flynn, but you're saying that they exist and that they might be substantial. I, I, I don't I don't dislike Michael Flynn. The part that I dislike about him and the my pillow guy whose name keeps I keep forgetting it and I don't know why. Yeah. I have nothing against those guys. I, I'm always in for a good conspiracy and I absolutely do think <laughs> that some really shady shit happened. It's the yeah. fact that it's been years and they haven't done shit. And so I'm allowed, I'm allowed to be angry about it. Like 
I'm so tired of everyone being like, oh, there's some sub- sub- substantial stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, we've got a lot of stuff. Every day there's stuff. Every week there's stuff. Every every day there, yep. day and week there's stuff and there's proof. You were a four-star well, general in the fucking yep. military. Do something. Do fucking anything. And I understand that that's a hard thing, but stop telling me about all the stuff you fucking have and start doing something about it. Maybe, yeah. I, I, maybe he needs to be vice president before we can do anything. No, he's, he's doing not going to do shit. Probably as hard for a civilian to do. Well, then he's not. Then Trump's not going to do shit. I mean, he's not going to do shit about the election either. Right. <laughs> like, like he's not. Like, I, I. Okay. I mean, it's just it's. I just feel like that there that. If that's the complaint, then Trump basically shouldn't be president because he didn't do anything. I mean, that was one of my initial complaints heading in. That's my, it's one of my complaints too. I mean, I, one of the main reasons why I think Trump is an, is an attractive candidate for president is because he's going to be angry enough to do what is necessary mm-hmm. and is probably less likely to succumb to political pressure to compromise with Democrats because hopefully he hates them so much and remembers his first presidency. My, because Michael Flynn was part of that, I feel there is more likelihood that Flynn would also be on board with whatever more extreme measures Trump needs to take to get the country under control. Whereas if Trump had someone that was much more of a canny political operator like Nikki Haley, who's part of the establishment, that's the safe bet. But I think that she would actually actively pump the brakes on any radical change because she's part of the establishment. Right. No, and and so I, I, I would I, rather have a Mike Flynn right. who's anti-establishment than a Nikki Haley who might be more politically palatable. No, I and and I I totally get it. Um I'm just uh I, I'm tired of that contingent telling me about all the proof that goes nowhere. Because it almost feels like it feels like I'm being grifted at this point. So if I'm gonna be completely yeah. honest, like I haven't done a ton of research because I don't I just I don't have the patience to sit there and look at everybody's proof. That just tells me something mm-hmm. happened and then see it go nowhere. Um, I've I've already done that. I did that for two years after the election and I got exhausted by it. So there's a lot of bitterness there uh, when we talk about yeah. some of these people to a point where I've become suspicious. I'm not saying this. Don't get all mad at me and send me a bunch of messages about it. But I'm at a point where I'm suspicious that these people are just making money off the fucking claims. Yeah, that def- there's definitely some... Because... I'm told that there's just all this proof, but I'm never seeing anyone do anything with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's because there's an awful lot of money to be made at claiming that there's proof and not a whole lot of money to be made at actually doing something with it. Yeah. So that's just my um, cynical view of everything. That has nothing to do with candidacies of it. I just, at the end of the day... um, I, I don't think Donald Trump's going to pick Michael Flynn as his VP. So that's really no, the end of it. Not. I just I just don't think he's going to pick him. Whether you like him or not or think he'd be great, I don't think he's the pick. Um, if he's going to pick mm-hmm. somebody that has military experience and was in the intelligence community, he'd probably pick Mike Rogers, uh, the former director of the NSA, who I consistently um, said years and years and years and years ago, um, early on, Mike uh, Donald Trump 
received information that his uh, business office in New York was tapped and it was just after he had had a meeting yeah. with Admiral Mike Rogers. I believe that Mike Rogers was the source of that information. And so I think that totally. he's kind of been a hidden asset for Trump or there's at least a potential. Oh, yeah. So anyway, doesn't matter. Sorry, didn't mean to get into a whole debate about Mike Flynn and all of that. It's just uh, I had a lot of hope when those the that group of people really started gathering a bunch of evidence and it's been four years yep so i'm i'm pretty mad about it um yeah well also there's yeah no i I, even do with the evidence yeah i i know i know it's it's a electoral congress voted yeah like the the and just the way the system works there's no i don't know if there's a mechanism to overturn the election because the electoral college right like no, they yeah. all independently cast votes for whatever their their chose whatever candidate they wanted to because they can be faithless electors. I'm sure, like, how do you address that other than they like, oh yeah, no, all, all those people that voted Trump that are voted for Biden that maybe shouldn't have like, well, I guess they're all just faithless electors, which is totally allowable. So can't overturn the election based on that, right? Yeah, all yeah. It would be maybe it'd be like, oh, we can re- reassert, uh, we can change these election re- laws. That would be something that you could maybe do. Yeah, and I I know that there's been some. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen it in totality. Um, like I said, there's just a lot of bitterness about it, and we're heading into 2024, so there needs to be at least some more action taken. I don't know. And maybe it'll be great. Maybe we'll have a Trump presidency. And he has said, to be fair, to be fair, since we're having this discussion, he has absolutely stated um, that there is stuff he knows. Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump has stated yeah. there, there's there's stuff he knows and he's he's holding it close to the chest, which is probably smart. I know, I know specifically uh, that in the last two rallies that he's had, he has brought up very specifically watermarking on ballots, which was supposed to be a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So perhaps, perhaps that's there. Um, it, I mean, it would be great. Um, I don't know what the fuck we do with that information. You know, like he becomes president, comes out and says, by the way, they stole the 2020 election. It Because I I don't think, (laughs) like, I I feel like people, a lot of people go to jail for that. Like, go to like a real bad jail. Like gulag level jail for shit like that. And I just, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm here for it though. That would be, that would be amazing to see. Uh... But at the same time, I don't know. Maybe we just need to have a fucking maid on <laughs> just, just, well, to, just to get I mean, it out. I, th- I think that the clearly the election is going to be about the, uh, about the border. Like the situation at the border with Texas, I think that's going to keep rolling and maybe is going to accelerate. There's no way border security isn't a massive factor in the election. And I think that's something where Trump is very good. He is on Truth Social, because that's where he posts things. He posts a whole thing about how he totally supports this. This is great. We need states to push back from the federal government. Phenomenal. And I think because the Biden administration has painted itself so much into a corner with this that they there's no action they can take because they are fundamentally evil <laughs> and they can't stop being evil for long enough to actually let the, con- the conflict subside. I think that we're it's we're in a great position for the election well yeah because it, it's immigration and the economy those are the two main points mm-hmm. and biden is yeah. dog shit on both 
Like it, it to to an almost. It almost feels purposeful. Like I don't know how you're this fucking bad. Yeah. Like I, I really truly I, I, don't. Yeah. The only way you can be this bad is if you're intentionally trying to implode the American economy and destroy it demographically. Yeah, like 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 the whole Great Reset. Like, just we're gonna destroy the entire yeah. economy. Yep. It's yeah. That's clearly the plan. I know it's it is it is fucking bananas. Um, on top of that, so what what do you think? Oh, there was there was a likelihood question that I had. Um, oh, there's a couple of small things that we need to we need to cover up too. Oh, oh, <laughs> do, sorry. Speaking of VPs, uh, RFK Jr. Thoughts at all? A VP for Trump? Yeah, it's a it's a thing that's being pushed on X right now. Doubt. Well, it's not know. only not only I, doubt. It, it, it we've covered this before. If you think RFK Jr. is your guy, you need to change who the fuck you're listening to. Yeah, I just am very would be very skeptical of that. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I don't the, know. That he, just seems. RFK Jr. had one like had one good idea, and that was the fact that he's always been an anti-vaxer. Aside from that, he's a massive shit lib. Yeah, the other thing, yeah, that I guess that's my take on RFKs. You know, he's great on the vaccine and some other things, but at the end of the day, he's he's dramatically pro-Ukraine. He's anti-Russia. He's pro-racial justice. He's like he's not right-wing in any way, and I think that. It just wouldn't work out with him and Trump. Like that would be. I just don't see it. I don't yeah. see. I don't see Trump trust. I don't know if Trump would trust him. No, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, I really don't. Um, my other concern too, since we're on the subject of it, is I don't know if I would be okay. Even it doesn't matter how good the person is. If Donald Trump picks a woman, I'm going to feel like it's a diversity thing. Yeah, for sure. Like he basically, he basically has to pick a white man or else I'm going to be like, ugh, <laughs> which is. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I'm, I'm right there with you. I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, would, would that be like one of those worrisome things where it's like, oh, fuck, who's he listening to? Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. If, if Trump picked a woman vice president, my first thought is going to be, this is a diversity hire. Unless it's if like, he picks, if he picks a black guy, yeah. yeah I'm, my first thought is this is a diversity hire being promoted by his consultants. Maybe they, and I think that's honestly, that's been the problem with a lot of affirmative action diversity hires stuff is Instead of thinking, oh, I picked a guy for his, his merits. About, no, he picked this because consultants told him to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well so it's, 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 a, it's a desperate attempt. Like, no, I'm not racist, guys. I'm like, they're going to call you racist regardless. This is a stupid course of action. What if he picked like Marjorie Taylor Greene? I don't think that that's going to happen. But what if he did? If he picked Marjorie Taylor Greene, would, would you think that it's a diversity hire? Or do, do you think that that's like a... Maybe a little less so. Yeah. Maybe a little less so just because that's so essentially far out there that I almost would go, okay, well, maybe uh, mostly it, it would have to be someone that would be so reliably a Trump ally yeah, that 
I would be go saying there's a good there, there would have to be a very very good reason why that person was picked. Um, that would be very obvious, but we'll see. We'll see who gets we'll see who gets chosen. It's probably going to be somebody nobody expects. Yeah, well, and and I, I'm going to be entertained by it. It's not like I'm going to. I mean, if he picked Nikki Haley, I might withhold my vote, but I don't think that that's happening. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be I'd be very surprised about that. Yeah, people say people. Uh, they're now saying like like Christy Nome of South Dakota, um, or North Dakota, one of the Dakotas, a Dakota. Um, I I get it, but see that's the thing is Maybe. is if it was Christy Nome, diversity higher. If it's Elise Stefanik, diversity higher. If it's Marjorie Taylor Greene, okay, maybe there's something smart here. That's where my head's at, and it's I I honestly think that it's a gauge between who the left hates the most, um, which is hilarious because it almost yeah. goes backwards on what I was just saying about Michael Flynn because like the left hates. Marjorie Taylor Greene, but Marjorie Taylor Greene legitimately has been a good ally <laughs> um, and is is yeah. like a kind of vicious and violent. I, I like her. It's going to be hard for me to not like her. Um, and I for like 100 percent. I have no idea why. It, it's just there's something mm -hmm. about her that I just really like. Um, crazy town, uh, which is fun for yeah. me sometimes where it's just like, I don't know what it is about you, but I like you. Um it, it, it could be a lot of fun. To be fair, uh, as I've said before, and we'll get off this topic, I almost really want Donald Trump to pick Ron DeSantis, not, no, not only because I actually think he would be a good choice and I think he would be good running for 2028, um, but also I just want to see all of the pro-DeSantis people um, do a mass suicide. Uh, like like a Jonestown level yeah. drink the Kool-Aid suicide because they would have to support a Trump presidency and they would just all put their Nikes on and go to the Comet. I know that's not Jonestown, but you yeah. get what I'm saying. I, I, I would love to see that because I hate those people so fucking much because they ruined like the last six months of me trying to do any political research on social media with their bullshit that I'm just like, whatever makes you upset, I'm here for. Not a right way to run your life, but uh, here I am. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right. So a couple of other things that are interesting. Um, one thing that I uh, probably should have brought up earlier in the show. Uh, you sent me this earlier this morning. Apparently, all of the f museums are covering up their Native American um, displays because of a federal regulation from the Biden administration uh, to repatriate artifacts to tribes. Ugh. And so now if there's any museum that has like arrowheads or burial tomes or pottery or anything that has to do with like all the different types of people, they have to cover it up under because of a federal regulation. Yeah. So basically we're going to destroy American museums to make the natives to make the indians feel better which yeah. i think i don't even know again it's this is one of the things where i can't imagine any native american person sitting around going you know what we need to do if, if we need to get all we need to destroy american we need to destroy american history museums that would make me that that's gonna make me not a gambling addicted alcoholic <laughs> 
I'll, I'll be able to finally move out of this trailer and join American society in a productive context if we just got rid of the arrowheads from the Smithsonian. <laughs> so I don't it, think that's going to happen. And yeah. I, don't think, I don't think any Native American person was demanding it happen. I think it's a bunch of busybody left-wing nutcases finding just something to complain about. Yeah, like feeding into their messiah complex that they're there to save the brown people. Like, like all of liberalism has yeah. the white man's burden. <laughs> like, or conversely, I think they could could have just been sitting around going, you know what, my political enemies, the white white Americans, are going to hate. You know what? The, you know what? You know what? White people love museums. You know what? We should probably destroy <laughs> museums. Yeah, but it says here. In response to new federal regulations that require museums to obtain consent from tribes before oh. displaying or performing research on cultural items. You know, so, wow. so th this this actually dives into something that I've always been very. Um, this is a fun conspiracy for me. You and I have talked about this. and I'm going to bring it up on here. Uh, I have. So I. I love archaeology. One of the things that I want to do when I like finally retire and the kids are out of the house and whatever is I am probably going to start going out to digs and just like, I'm not going to go to school necessarily for archaeology. Um, I've thought about it, but like, I want to go out to digs. I want to, I want to find stuff. I want to find old pottery and old tools and things like that. I think that there's a massive conspiracy because of the way, because of what we have seen um, when it comes to any of these native tribes if it is ever discovered that there was a civilization in the United States or North America that predates any of the crossing of the land bridge by these tribes, it will 100% be covered up by those tribes. That information has oh. likely already been discovered. Yeah. And it absolutely has. And it's mm -hmm. not just the tribes, it's the Smithsonian's in on it too. So there is, this is, this is fun. I'm also interested in this. There's a bunch <laughs> of things where. There's a there's actually a whole list of examples where archaeologists will be doing a dig on what is often uh, remains or sites that get dated at pre twelve thousand years ago, so like before ten thousand BC, so very old, like the oldest sites. There is a bunch of different cases where they uncover bones and remains that are basically tall and have red hair. And, and and then the inevitably either the Smithsonian steps in and confiscates the remains and takes over the site, or the local Native American tribe basically makes a big sting and says that's our that's a sacred burial ground for uh, the Sioux. You can't do any more digs there, and no, we're going to refuse genetic testing of all the remains found. There is at least one case in I believe it was Minnesota, where a early explorer documented in like the 1800s guy documented finding a bunch this burial ground of like four or five skeletons or four or five remains that were something like seven feet tall and it was like this is amazing archaeologists came back in the 1900s to reinvestigate the claims found more skeletons smithsonian confiscated all of it never seen the light of day, day since there's also ones where there is an entire culture on the coast and i forget the name of this like the red ochre people or something like that where they find these remains on the coast of new england that again are very tall 
and do not share essentially the same bone structure as the supposedly native tribes of the area. And then the native tribes of the area are like, nope, that's ours. Um, you, can, you can't investigate it anymore because the re I think the reality is the peopling of America dates is way more recent than we think. And there was a previous group of people here that existed during the Great Ice Age that were that either died out during the cataclysm of the when the ice age ended and because think about it there was a giant ice age mm -hmm. that covered most of the north american continent well in during that time people still lived here and when all that ice melted it would be giant global climate catastrophe maybe all those people died and then and th this is also strange because modern native americans have a genetic link with uh I believe it's Asians and Australians. It's like there's genetic links between native between current day Native Americans and other peoples, but the the separate the, what's always puzzled people is the genetic separation distance isn't great enough to explain the geographic isolation. Meaning it seems like Native Americans in the United States have been here a lot less have been here for less time than was previously thought. And it seems like Native American tribes and the Smithsonian go out of their way to prevent evidence of that seeing the light of day. Well, right. And, well, and think about it, though. That, that's that's the whole thing is that there is so much that backs that up uh, in, in in the idea of, um, you know, you're standing on stolen land. And it's like, how far back do you want to go to make something stolen land? Is it the, mm -hmm. previ the most previous owner? Is it, you know... How many generations back, you know, do you have to go to claim it that it was your land? You know, that 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 whole yeah. kind of situation. Um, and and yeah. it, it is it's consistently fascinated me because obviously, you know, like people moved around and I love I love the kind of anthrop you know, anthropology aspect of things of, you know, all these different cultures, everything from like the Hallstatt people um, which is that that's the crazy one that you bring up, like, you know, the kind of red hair, the, the tall stature and everything sounds very Hallstatt mm -hmm. people to me. And you hear, yeah. you, you know, you hear about like Ramsey's the second having like a red beard and that, that, that yep. gets like shoved down by the Afrocentrists mm -hmm. that are like, no, nah, we was Kings. And it's like, yeah, actually there's, yeah. there's like legitimate DNA markers that have only been found in Ireland. Yeah. And, so, okay. Well, here's here's what's interesting about the the Egyptian kings is you have people like Ramses and King Tut. Their remains are more are basically Europeans. Their right. gen genetics have more in common with Europeans than any than anywhere else, and especially the most in common with the ancient Irish. Right. So that's the genetic science proves that. Well, here's what's weird is in I there's this body of Irish mythology and legend mm -hmm. that essentially re repeats the exact same thing. So local Irish mythology and legend states that um, one of the original kings of Scotland or queens of Scotland, I think it's Queen Scotta maybe, yeah. but essentially was a Egyptian princess married to a Scythian, which is sort of central, like, uh, central Ukraine Caucasus region was ancient Scythia, a Egyptian, the legend is an Egyptian queen, our princess married a Scythian prince 
and then their combined noble houses took a fleet of ships from Egypt out through the Mediterranean, first settling in northern Spain, and then making the jump over to Ireland. That's the legend. However, what's interesting is there is an entirely genetically distinct population in northern Spain that is genetically linked with the population of Ireland. And so the genetic research seems to indicate that that legend is true. And I find that very interesting. Well, yeah, my 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 favorite um, thought, pro or not favorite, the, the thing about that is, for me, that would just be really exciting data to find. And it would be a yeah. lot of fun to like exploit and kind of go through and, and just really look at what that means and, and, and what the ramifications are. And, oh, wow, like we, we've gotten an even deeper look into history. And I would like to believe that that's how other archaeologists and people would react to it, but they don't. I have this feeling mm -hmm. that they see mm -hmm. data like this and they go, oh no, uh, the racists are going to use this to be mean. Yeah. And racists they cover it up. Use this to pr prove that, to prove that Africans weren't actually the builders of the pyramids. Well, maybe that's not, maybe that's true. Maybe they didn't actually build the pyramids. Well, it, history on this stuff is much older than anyone thinks. And so, and the question I was like, well, so what? Yeah. And it's, it's funny that we're bringing this up because one of the things I posted on, on X this morning is, uh, there's a post in, in our genealogy on Reddit. So, you know, it's trash, mm -hmm. um, but it's 23 and me for trans people. And this, this is the post. I convinced my friend to take a 23 and me DNA test for fun. She was born male, but now identifies as female. And her results came back with a Y-DNA haplogroup and only one X chromosome. This was really problematic for her and made her feel uncomfortable. Does anyone know if 23andMe makes any accommodations for trans people? Has anyone here had any experience with what? it? And it's like, yeah, but th this is the kind of thing. They, will, they would do this, you know? Like, yeah, it's no, a, it's, it, you're going out of your way to try and find something to be angry about well right but like you know how how far away are we until everybody just goes oh yeah no egypt was absolutely built by sub-saharan africans and we all go no it wasn't like that that doesn't even yeah. make sense they go no it was and shut up and your children are going to be taught this yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh, which it is true like there are numerous depictions on painted on walls of Egyptian kings and Africans as and they are painted as colored distinct people like mm -hmm. the Egyptian kings are painted a lighter shade than the Nubians which are painted a very dark shade additionally you have the you have the Sahara in between the two so sub-saharan Africans wouldn't would be very difficult for them to cross the Sahara honestly the Egyptians are a Mediterranean people it's like it's the Mediterranean like People lived there forever, and a lot of them are genetically pretty close. It's like if you look at if it's like Egyptians, Lebanese, Syrians, Greeks, like up to the um, like like the whole that whole region. Italians, like they kind of share a lot of similarities, and that should be in no way surprising. I mean. The Roman Empire was the entire way around the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And so uh, people look, look at ancient Carthage and it's like, well, this 
this Scipio Africanus. He's got Africanus in his name. It was a black guy. And you're like, no, no, that was a Roman guy from the Roman colonies in North Africa, which were all Romans and basically essentially kind of like Italians. They're not black. He was like Scipio Africanus wasn't black. He came from North Africa, which the Romans considered all part of Rome. It's only a quirk. It's only a quirk of world history that North Africa isn't considered part of Europe, because it's all on the Mediterranean and has been peopled by the same people all around the Mediterranean for thousands of years. Right. Yeah, and it's um. It just like kind of going further back to this, I feel like um, with the original uh, story where we're talking about the um, mm -hmm. Native American artifacts is I, I feel like yeah. that this is a part of a revisionist history yeah. aspect. And, and to be to be fair, like I, I could see it from everything. For example, like one of the bigger questions that I've always had people kind of ask is, if Native Americans were in the United States so long, which has absolutely like crazy abundant resources over most other places in the world, um, yep. why did they not progress past the Stone Age? Great question. And but they don't want that question asked. Because one, it it, it, yeah. it aligns a lot with the timeline that you're talking about. Of they weren't here that long, you know. They were extremely. Also, yeah. mm -hmm. There's a good question. Who mined all the copper in northern Michigan? Oh, and where did all the copper go? How dare there you? There are giant Paleolithic <laughs> copper mines that have been found in northern Michigan, where thousands of I mean, I assume I think I believe it's thousands of tons of copper were mined out of the ground and it all carbon dates back to like the bcs and like a thousand bc and for those who don't know you, there's there's basically the ability to genetically test metal to know what region it came from yeah you and, can test metal and based on the trace elements you can see where it came from and guess where they find they have found copper in ancient phoenician shipwrecks that yeah. has the same chemical composition as the copper mined in northern michigan yeah and that dates back to a thousand BC, right? And the question you have it then is like, well, what, how much of this history needs to be revised? Mm -hmm. What's also crazy is we don't find any metal artifacts at all from Native Americans in the Americas. So if the Phoenicians were in Michigan sailing their ships through the Great Lakes to mine copper in Michigan, they weren't certainly weren't trading with the Native Americans, which is already kind of odd. You think that if you were a Native American, you'd be like, a metal knife? Like, when Europeans showed up, they were thrilled to get metal tools. They traded all sorts of things for metal tools. They loved metal tools. If you had someone making, like, mining metal tools, presumably they would be like, well, we can pay these guys to work the mines for us because there's already a population here. Right. So, uh, history... Especially ancient history, when you really look into it, one thing to always keep in mind is it is tr the burden of evidence used to create the story of history is often shockingly limited and makes huge reaches that really are inappropriate when you actually look at the data. So a great example of that is in Egypt, there was these there were these tombs 
And someone was looking at this going, these tombs seem so old. Like, what pharaoh does this go? And the official Egyptology answer was, they date back to the Middle Kingdom. And then this somebody went, well, why? And it's like, well, for decades, we just known it's Middle Kingdom. And then you look into, this guy looked into, well, how was that proven? Well, uh, you know, like, you know, half a mile away, we found a bunch of pottery shards with this pharaoh's name on it. So we assumed the entire complex was part of this Middle Kingdom pharaoh. He's like, so there's nothing tying this ancient, this tomb to the Middle Kingdom. They're like, well, no, no, not specifically, but, you know, Egyptology textbooks state that it is. And everything in archaeology is like that. It's like, is this actually old? Or is did somebody just sort of write a research paper saying, well, we found this other thing kind of nearby, so we assume all of it's the same age. And I think that's very open to reanalysis. Yeah. Yeah, no, and... and um... Yeah, I, I love I love this topic, and I've I've a hundred percent actually really want to go find or go to the copper deposits that are in <clears throat> the upper I believe it's the Upper Peninsula of Michigan because I I, so, yeah. I want I want to see this stuff, and I feel fascinating. I I I feel like I mean one Michigan's my home state, but also I I very much feel like that's going to be. Um, at some point, I would like to see academia go back to being actually academia and not be, you know, mm -hmm. completely uh, infested with um, shithead activists that are just trying to ruin everything. Um, sure. No, it would be it would be awesome. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up, and it, it gave us a good chance to spin off into something like that, which is uh, we should we should talk about things like that more uh, because I do like going down some of those rabbit holes too. Politics is fun and all, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other stuff I like to talk about. So, um, just something to to think about, something for us to consider, yeah. and let us know what you guys think of stuff like that. You know, um, it's always good to pull the audience a little bit because um, we. Uh, Alan and I sometimes don't get things done when we do our call uh, the night prior to the show to talk about the show because we end up going down these rabbit holes instead, um, which is great. We didn't do that last night. <laughs> you sent that to me this morning and I was like, oh, man. Uh, and part of it was I was, yeah. I was in Michigan and thinking about this kind of stuff. So I was like, damn. Uh, anyway, so. That's a lot of it. Um, uh, upcoming for this next week, you know, like I said, the border is going to be the big thing. Seeing what's going to happen there, I've already kind of explained. Uh, you know what what I what I know the Biden answer is going to be. They're going to just claim that the uh, Republicans not passing this dog shit border bill is the reason that they don't care. But that's not actually going to change anything. Um, so we're going to see mm -hmm. we're going to see a very interesting battle really kind of come out of this. I think it's great. Um, I hope everybody holds the line. Uh, I and and yep. just make just force the Biden administration to to react. We're always yeah. successful right now in forcing the left to to react. And that's it's just it's an inherent good. Yeah. Because they're not reacting well. Um, we're not going to really go into the E. Jean Carroll story. I mean, we only have a few minutes left anyway. We're not going to really go into it. Everybody saw $83 million, which is a ridiculous amount of money, in a defamation lawsuit against Trump. So obviously the entire point of this was just to try to bankrupt Trump. 
Uh, you know, the, the Democrats saw this as being a successful tactic. They used it against Alex Jones. They're using it against Donald Trump now, which anybody who mm-hmm. didn't stand up for Alex Jones when it happened to him, uh, there you guys go. This like, we all warned you. We said that this shit was going to happen and here it is. It's happening. $83 million. Um, the entire point of that, by the way, is to try to take away the fundraising ability of Donald Trump. They want to try to bankrupt him personally uh, to make it more and more difficult for him to fundraise for his candidacy. That's that's the entire point. They are trying to just destroy. They're trying to destroy him and everyone knows it. That's the worst part. So anybody, mm-hmm. anybody who turns mm-hmm. around and tries to say, see, this is the baggage that I just didn't want to have to deal with in this, which is why I voted for so-and-so instead. It's, it's like people can't be that retarded to not know that this is just going to be a forever tactic by the left unless we fight it and make it completely useless now. Un- yeah. un- unless you want to explain to me why your candidate wouldn't possibly be a target of the Democrats. That's actually, I think, more concerning. Yeah. <laughs> so very, very much so. Like if someone's like, who was somebody made was making that claim during the primary i think a lot of people talked about ron desantis that way it's like well you know see desantis isn't going to be nearly as targeted by the he was trump without the political elite trump without the baggage i was always like i kind of like if 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 the deep state finds someone palatable that probably is a good reason for me to be very skeptical skeptical of them right like if the bad guys like the guy, like him, maybe I shouldn't. Like if the bad guys don't feel threatened, then what of what value is this candidate? Right. Right, because that's the thing now. Like we are not in a political situation where we are in a standard disagreement and I just think that there's a better way. We are in a we are in a political situation in which we have to defeat the other party because we do not have the same vision for America any longer. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. But I certainly don't have the same vision as a bunch of Democrats. That's for right. Sure. And yeah, so, but anybody who wants to do this is like, oh, we just have disagreements about America and, you know, the economy. And, and it's like, no, some of us want America to be what it is. Others want to fundamentally change it. Um, you know, they, they want to take our culture and wear it as a skin suit. Yeah. <laughs> and those are very different things. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's that's going to be it for the show today. Be sure, though, uh, you know, tune in next week for what we're going to cover and obviously more of this border stuff and, and what else is going to come from that. But be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio. Become a subscriber. It's two ninety nine a month helps us pay the bills. It also gives you access to our discord uh, channel where we have a lot of people talking all the time, sharing different videos, different news items, and just kind of having generalized discussion in which I'm probably going to get lambasted for talking shit about Michael Flynn. Like I said, I like the guy. I'm just saying, I don't think he'd be a good VP candidate, but we can go from there and we can further those discussions there. Also, let us know what you guys think. If you want to contact us outside of that, you can do so by going to contact at wrongthinkradio.com. Uh, that's our email address. If you want to send us there, uh, send us something there. Of course, you can follow us on social media, however you like to do that. Other than that, I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is 
is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week.